0: the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. This is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I am Andrew Hanson with Amber Servini and Father Chris House. Father House, now at Christ the King. Pastor, how's it going over there? It's going very well. And you're still rocking. No, you're not Chancellor anymore. No. Jim Box our Chancellor, but you're still at the diocesan level doing... I'm still the Vicar Judicial. That's that's another fancy title. I love all the fancy titles Mm -hmm. in the Catholic Church. Uh, 11 Things Catholics Need to Stop Doing. I fall. Uh, there's some on this list that I'll, I'll admit that I I need to stop doing.
1: Andrew has his own list of things I need to stop <laughs> doing.
0: So. Unbelievable. Um, all right, so we're going to get into these. I'm wondering if uh, if you are doing any things on the on this list, and if you are, we're telling you right now to stop. Even good Catholics do this, but hey, it's it's all for the greater greater glory of salvation, right? We're we're, we're here to, oh, here the to help the greater glory you. of God, which our
1: salvation plays into that. This it means the same thing. Salvation, God. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where's your, uh, you were going to get me a button that said,
0: anytime I said, uh, what a a heresy, there's just a little red stop sign that has an H on it. So, (laughs) all right. Uh, number one out of the gates is, uh, when you say, Oh my God, or Jesus Christ, uh, obviously taking the Lord's God name in vain here. Father house expound on this. Why, why is that problematic? You know, if I, uh,
1: something happens, I see a car crash. I go, Oh my God. I'd rather hear you expand on that, Andrew. Why well, I, is that? It's very, very, very simple explanation as to why not. Well, because it takes your Lord God name in vain. Well, why? But where does that come from? The Bible.
0: Specifically? The Ten Commandments. Okay, specifically. You shall not take the Lord God's name in vain.
1: Okay. Do you know what number that is? This is number one. Is that no. number one?
0: It's not number one, number
1: two. It's number Very, two. Yeah, well, number there's two. only 10, so you can keep guessing. Well, I know the first three have
0: to do with God, and
1: the next seven have to do with neighbor. That is true. Very ah, good. See, look at that. Mm. I, I just redeemed myself.
2: I'm glad he's asking you and not me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the whole point is that the name of God is holy, and an observant Jew will not say the name of God. You'll see sometimes in writing, even in writing, G D. Because even the name of God itself is not wholly written so I mean the name of God and even we've become more sensitive to that if you've noticed there used to be in our Catholic hymnody, coming out of the 80s there were a couple songs like you are near um, which mentions the divine name of Yahweh and so those songs have even been edited now at, out of direction from the Holy See I didn't know that and, yeah so it's like we now, sing that all the time well it's taken <laughs> if you notice it's been taken out though and that but uh the name of God is holy. There's power in the name. And so we reference that, and we don't want to just throw it around, even if we're not intending the disrespect, even if not we're intending a blasphemy. But it shouldn't be something that just rolls off our lips like anything else because the name is sacred. There's but,
0: power in the name. You ever wonder who invented the word gosh? I often think about those random things. Mm. Yeah,
2: I, I have like a technicality. <laughs> I find that I'll say something like, God bless America. Like when in my frustration, that's the phrase I use. I don't know why. It's just like I
1: would think that's fine. Or I say
2: Jesus Mary and Joseph. Like that's
1: I, How do you say it? You go, "Sweet Jesus Mary and Joseph." Yes. <laughs> but it's not being said as a benediction. It's it's we're throwing that out there as a frustration and that's that's the whole point. It's like there's so many other things you can say and it's just we should just steer clear of the divine name. That's why you just say gosh darn it. <laughs>
2: I say that too, <laughs> and some would even argue that's how is that too close? Huh? No, it's it's
1: not too close because it's Cause not it's about, it. it's about intentionality.
2: Yeah, I actually read that uh, when I, I was googling this. Um,
1: I never yeah. intended to say you want to say this, but you're trying to fulfill the letter of the law, but Riches. you're still violating the heart of it. I think you that's have
2: it. to go to Golly G. Okay,
0: <laughs> is Golly G in the still realm? Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, you just said, oh boy, we, we know what you really wanted to say there. <laughs> that got you. All right, number two, uh, not genuflecting before the tabernacle. Uh, I know some Catholics, will, you know, they have their favorite pew. They come in and they just kind of slide right in and they forget uh, someone's up there who's really important, and that's Jesus Christ. Uh, Father House, the one thing on this, though, I, I, how come sometimes, like especially when lectors go up, they bow versus genuflecting. What's, what's, the, what's the difference there? That's a,
1: that's a very good distinction you point out. Because so, entering your pew, you, sh- you must, is, is it a must? Is it a must? You eat? should if you can. If the tabernacle is clearly present, when you come into Mass, you should genuflect because the Blessed Sacrament is in the tabernacle and that is the divine presence. Jesus Christ is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. So you should acknowledge, you should reverence that divine presence. So we make that coming in and we make that going out. So you should also genuflect on your way out. At Mass, the altar kind of becomes the focus and the action that takes place there. So that's why you'll notice sometimes that, or you'll notice that the the priests and ministers will genuflect on the way in, they genuflect on the way out, but they then bow to the altar throughout Mass. That's why. Because in the act of celebration of the Mass, the act of celebration of the Eucharistic sacrifice, the action thing everything is at the altar, okay? So, now, if your tabernacle is behind the altar, a lot of times all that flows together. It's so when the tabernacle is on the side that it becomes more of a debated aspect, but...
0: it's also, okay. I mean, at Christ the King, the tabernacle is just, just slightly off, and so you, you to genuflect and look toward... Which is what I do, yes. Hmm. I know...
2: Yeah, I, I listened to a podcast where um, their, their point was that people come into church and they think that genuflecting is like to note that this is the pew I'm walking into. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I think that's a good point. I think that sometimes because you ever watch people change pews because of whatever reason, and they genuflect again because now they have to mark that this is their pew <laughs> they're going to sit
1: in. Well, and back up though, you said you know, genuflecting while looking toward the tabernacle, but that's the, you're genuflecting to the tabernacle. It's not just looking. I mean, that's the genuflection. You never genuflect to an altar. You're genuflecting to the tabernacle. There's that whole shift. I mean, I may be standing in the middle, but my body is shifted toward the tabernacle. There only two things you genuflect in front of, the blessed sacrament and a relic of the true cross. Everything else gets a bow.
0: Interesting. I didn't know that. You have a, you have a relic of a true cross, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. So do you genuflect that every because you have it in your, in we your, keep, in uh, your li- that one's locked away. Oh, that one's locked that's away. kept safe. So, <laughs> all right, number three that Catholics need to stop doing. This one's a tough one: canonizing people upon their death. Now, this one's tough because obviously, when your loved one passes away and they were a great person and they lived a faith-filled life, you of course want to you want to believe that. He or she is enjoying eternal paradise in heaven, but that's not what the Catholic Church teaches. And, Father House, I want to ask you about this because, boy, this has got to be a fine line for you priests to balance during a a funeral mass of reminding the faithful we believe in purgatory, we need to pray for the souls in purgatory, and we, we don't know that this person is in heaven right now. But at the same token, I don't want to come out and just say, hey,
1: you know, your loved one is not in heaven. Because <laughs> we don't know. Because you don't know. I guess there's really, I would say that we have to make a distinction uh, between, you know, the public funeral rites that are taking place and in a person's private prayer in their own heart, things like that. So, I mean, I have relatives that have died, relatives that I believe are good and holy people. And I believe they're in heaven. And that's fine. and I'm free to believe that. I'm not making a public declaration in the name of the church or in the church's prayer. I'm well, not calling them. So that's, that's the distinction. That's the problem with sometimes in preaching at funerals. Priests or deacons preach and they, you know, quote unquote, canonize somebody by saying they're in heaven, this or that. So our hope is there. We trust in the Lord's promises, and there's absolute we should hope for salvation. And even some of the prayers of the funeral mass tip that way. So even sometimes it's kind of, you can see why people just simply move into that, because some of the prayers lead us to that. But there's that distinction. It's one thing in a person's private prayer and thoughts. Another thing... In the public liturgical action of the church. Yeah, well, I've, I have a, I have a. The souls in purgatory
0: is something that I've, I've taken upon my heart. I, I pray for them, pray for them every day. And my brother passed away, and kind of same thing as you. Uh, do I believe my brother's in heaven? Yes. However, I do pray for his soul every day because of what the Catholic Church teaches. And you know, bear in mind, if he is in heaven, we all know God will use my prayers and some other ways for for another soul, the faithful departed. That, that's one thing. I mean, it is kind—it of, is a frustration on my part when I maybe do hear uh, a homily at a funeral mass that almost, yet yeah, to your point, almost tips the curve that almost says, you know what, you don't need to worry about him anymore. You know, he passed away. This funeral mass, this is great, but and that's my problem is i think so many catholics tend to just after the funeral mass they forget about their loved one and that prayer needs to continue for their for their soul that's why every ma- how many ma- i mean what percentage of masses is the mass intention for someone who's deceased oh 99.999 exactly yeah, so yeah and the mass is the ultimate prayer so so you know to continue that offering masses and offering prayers for people and souls in purgatory. Now, again, it's a it's, spiritual work of mercy, yeah. which
1: we don't, sadly we don't talk enough about anymore, but you know, that's it. That is a good of the church is to pray for the dead because no prayer is wasted. If that soul is in heaven, the grace will still take effect in some other way. Mm-hmm.
0: So continue to continue to pray for, for loved ones. Uh, number four, uh, the, the things Catholics need to stop doing, not going to confession. Now, the Catholic Church, correct me if I'm wrong, Father House teaches you, is it a must go to confession at least once a One, year? Once a year. Once a year. Um, boy, I, you know, the, the great thing about Spring, the Diocese of Springfield is so many churches have so many options. It's not just Saturday. That's it. That's your only opportunity to go to confession. Um, but th- the importance of going to confession, hearing uh, the words of absolution, why someone needs to do that and it's not just to feel good it's for their eternal soul
1: well it's a it's it's a sacrament it bestows grace and the more we confess our sins the more we're inclined to acknowledge our need for god's mercy that just that moves us further down the path of holiness so anytime someone is conscious of grave sin they should approach the sacrament of reconciliation venial sins are forgiven in a multitude of ways Grave sins, mortal sins are only forgiven through the sacrament of reconciliation. So it's a great habit to be into, and just because the church says you must do it once a year, that's the bare minimum. I mean, it, it's good to have a habit of you know, number one, when I think I need it, when it comes to mind, or simply you know, a monthly or or however, and that. So didn't John Paul II go to confession weekly? I thought I, I he may re- have. He's well, the same. I know. Uh, Pope t- Pius XII won it. Good you. I'm <laughs> right there. Yeah. Well, Mother Teresa went daily. Daily. Oh, hold on a second.
0: Mother Teresa went to confession daily. Yeah. Boy.
2: Well, someone, <laughs> someone, I think it was a priest that described it to me that um, for the saints that had that habit of going weekly or daily, it was like, um, explained like a little dust in the speck of their eye, that that was like sins, I and mean, that was very, although maybe really small, very irritating to them, and so they had this like... You know, desire to go all the time because they understood that even that little dust in their eye was um, preventing them.
1: Well, and then some people will say, well, doesn't that fall under scrupulosity? Well, no, it depends. Because, I mean, like someone like Mother Teresa, or there are other people, we call it a confession of devotion. It's not that you're doubting God's mercy, it's that you you want the grace of the sacrament. So you confess previous sins not doubting that you have been forgiven, but just for the true sorrow that they offended God's sovereignty and that you want to, set, to receive the sacrament as that channel, that gift of grace. So, so that's what Mother Teresa did. That's what Pius XII did. This
0: shows you what we have to live for if we want to be saints, right? John paul II Weekly, Mother Teresa Daily. That's pretty incredible. All right. Onto our list, 11 things Catholics need to stop doing. Failing to call a priest when your loved one is near death. Uh, Father, House, you you get these three a.m. phone calls? Um, Hardly ever, and w- which hopefully that's a good thing because hopefully that means people aren't right. dying. Um, but the truth <laughs> the truth of the matter is, um, you I mean you've been in several parishes where I'm sure uh, you would have liked to have got gotten a phone call because someone was near death and you could have gotten to him or her and offered the last uh, last sacrament and prayers and things like that, uh, the importance of all that.
1: Right, yeah. And, I mean, locally, at least here in Springfield, I mean, we're very blessed to have chaplains at our hospitals and things like that, so a lot of times these things get done. But, I mean, just a person at the end of life, we want them to be fortified by the sacraments of the church. We want them to have their sins forgiven. We want them to have the Eucharist, that viaticum, that bread for the journey, that journey into a greater life, which is our hope. want to have them, you know, free of the bond of sin and all those things, those attachments that come with it. So that's why it's important because we want our relatives to go to heaven and we want as much surety as we can get. And so that's why the church desires for her faithful to be sealed with the sacraments at the very end so that nothing is holding them back from answering that call to full life with God. And for you and you as priests. priest, Okay, no one wants to wake up
0: at 3 a.m., but, I mean... If you're it, called, it, you go. Yes, and, and the point is, is if you have a loved one in the hospital, don't sit there and think, well, let me wait maybe till 7 a.m. when Father's up and ready to go. If, if, if he or she's on death's door, if they, give yeah, it a call.
1: Give a call, yeah. I mean, and why do I go? Not, I mean, yes, out of duty, but also because, you know, heaven forbid one of my loved ones, I'm not able to be there. I hope and I pray that a priest is going to be there for them. I want to do the same thing for anybody else. I would have to think
0: that's actually one of the most rewarding things that you guys do as priests, being on someone's deathbed and being able to offer the last, the last sacraments for him or her.
1: It, really everything around, to, this may sound odd, but some of the greatest graces surround death, somebody else's death, being at the funeral mass, being able to stand there in the place of Christ, being that intercessor for them and offering that sacrifice being there with the family it's a very privileged place to be with the family to walk with them in that moment and yes to be there also at the end once again standing in the person of jesus christ as intercessor begging for the lord's mercy for his forgiveness and that he will open the gates of paradise to them
0: all right we'll move on to 11 things catholics need to stop doing our next up: leaving mass early One of my personal
1: peeves. (laughs) It is. I mean, that's. Go out there. You can let it loose now. Well, that's fine. I mean, some (laughs) priests who put signs on the doors that say "Remember, Judas was the first to leave Mass early, (laughs) (laughs) or the first to leave a Communion." (laughs) I mean, here's the reality: Does it have? Are there sometimes reasons? Quite possibly, someone may have a sick loved one at home. You could be a medical professional, and you get, you know, a page over your cell phone or that or whatever there are yes there are certain things possibilities but just because you want to get out of the parking lot before anybody else or you want to get to the breakfast place before anybody else that's not good enough because the most important thing you will do all week is coming to sunday mass and that three minutes or five minutes that you're gaining what possibly what other good is there to compare with spending that three or five minutes continuous in the presence of the Lord because the Lord is there as we talk about. He's present bless the blessed sacrament. And so that's the whole thing. Why do you need to leave master? That's just the burning question. Why? Is it possible that you have a legitimate reason? Absolutely. And that's God's judgment. But that's the whole thing too. It's just like, but why? You wouldn't leave a movie early. You don't leave other things early. So that's the thing too, and and coming in late. Sometimes things happen, but sometimes for some folks it's habitual. Why would you come in late? Why do you leave early? I mean, what does that say about? I mean, we're coming to the presence of the King, of the Living God. We're coming to worship Him who has given us all other things. Well, the other thing, yeah, the other thing
0: to remember is. And and I you know, we don't want this podcast to come across as, you know, judgment or, or chastisement. It's 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 more to, to remind us of these right, exactly. of the great graces and, and remind all of us, hey, the, the, we have certain things that I think would benefit your your soul. And and part of it for me, and you touched on it there, is when you receive communion and just get out of dodge, are you really approaching the sacrament as you should? Because you just received Jesus into your body and soul. And literally 30 seconds later, you're in the car talking to your whoever about where are we going to get to breakfast instead of spending time in Thanksgiving of receiving Jesus into your your body and soul. So it's that whole mind shift of staying for the whole Mass, but also staying for the final blessing. I mean, the conclusion of Mass is also important.
1: Well, if you went to somebody's house and they set a banquet in front of you, would you eat and literally get up and go out the door? (laughs) Depending on where you're at, maybe you want to, I don't know. Maybe at the holidays, depends on your family, I don't know. But you wouldn't do that. If you wouldn't do that to a friend or an acquaintance or a family member, why would you do that to God who puts the heavenly banquet in front of you?
0: Hmm. All right, up next on our list of 11 things Catholics need to stop doing, not bringing your children to Mass. Uh, And I am, I am in this category in that I bring my children to mass, but boy, I can, I can understand sometimes why um, someone may not bring their child to mass, but even though I understand it doesn't mean it still needs to be done because children need to be surrounded by the church, by the faith, by the imagery, you know, all that sort of stuff. Because if you don't start them at an early age, what's going to happen later on? Now, as a priest, you know, parents may think, my, my child whines. They throw cars, and it's just going to disrupt people. And father's going to be upset. And so, when you're up there at the altar and you're hearing crying and screaming and yelling,
1: what goes through your mind? Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes I have different times. I mean, it's like there, there may be audible screams. Sometimes in my homily, I'm sure there's silent screams coming from people too. So I mean, it just is what it is. But you know, I mean, it's just I tell people this because a lot of times you have parents apologize. I'm like, don't apologize. I mean sometimes a child really is having a bad day and sometimes people get up and they go into the vestibule or they go in a cry room or they step outside and that's all well and good but bring your child to mass uh, the child has just as much right in essence i had to talk about rights or that stuff but has just as much right to be there as anybody else and a church that does not have the sound of children i would argue is a church that has a very precarious future hmm. you want to hear children at mass that's the church alive and If your child's having a fussy day, you know, that's okay, because the church is family. It's God's family. This is is a family gathering. You're going to hear children. And just, I mean, bring the children to the Lord. What's the Lord say? Bring them to me. And woe to those who act as an obstacle to that. The Lord is very clear about that stuff. So bring your children to church. Bring your children to mass. I mean, maybe you have to get up and step out or whatever, but it is what it is. It's family living. And,
0: and, and I remember one priest said, you know, even, even he even cautioned of even taking the child back to the vestibule all the time because then this child gets a pattern of, oh, all I have to do is whine and, or complain or do whatever. Right. And then he or she's going to always win and go back That's and, a good in the point. vestibule. Yeah. And, and the other thing, I'm going to add a little uh, sidebar to our, 11, to our things Catholics need to stop doing because this has happened to us where we get the dirty looks of our child crying from, from people in the pews. And that's that's very heartbroken because boy, to your point, it's like we want to bring our children to mass and I'd nice to see some support. I mean you just you don't have to give me any look. That's really all I really want. But when you give me a dirty look, that's basically saying I'm more important and you are bothering me, don't bring your children to mass. And boy, I think that sends a terrible message. Well
1: and for those who are who, who want to castigate a parent or who maybe are perturbed by the child's behavior, I mean most parents i would know they're no happier than anybody else that their child is not happy to be theirs i mean, yeah that, that doesn't help that doesn't help the situation where's the charity in that i mean jesus christ would not give a cross look i mean he'd probably pick the child up himself so i mean just that's the whole thing it's just you know it's just why are we there and who's called us there and that child in the Lord's eyes, I would argue, has just as much right and reason to be in that pew as anybody else, even if they're having a bad day.
0: Next on our list of the 11 things Catholics need to stop doing, Amber, this is a beer wheelhouse as a real estate agent on the side. Uh, treating St. Joseph as a good luck charm while trying to sell a house. Do you get that often?
2: Um, well, I do it often, but that, <laughs> <laughs> with, with my client's permission if, I, if they have the same belief that I do, but the St. Joseph statue is the number one sold statue. Um, And I don't think it's because um, everyone has a deep devotion to St. Joseph. Mm -hmm. I think they use it as a, you know, a good luck charm. They believe that you stick this into the ground and and the house is going to fly off the market. Um, And I think Catholics can get in the um, habit of being like, when their neighbor says, I want to sell my house, like... (laughs) Stick St. Joseph, you're good. And instead of taking it as an opportunity to almost evangelize, um, you know, and I don't, I'm don't, i not sure if that is always happening, but why do we, why do, we do that? And, and really it's not just about putting a statue in the ground. It's your prayer and devotion to St. Joseph to help you um, with this. So I think it is a, definitely, a, um, like all of these, it's an opportunity. These are opportunities to evangelize or to receive grace or um, to expand your faith. Well, he really is the patron saint of a lot of things.
1: He is. Well, I mean, he's the protector of the Holy Family, he's the foster father of the Lord. I mean, the Father gave him quite a responsibility. And yeah. he showed great faith in that. Typically, though, I mean, St.
0: Joseph, he's clutch. Speaking of which, like St. Anthony, oh my gosh, the amount of times I've lost things and I've prayed to St. Anthony because he's oh, a yeah. patron of lost things, the guy is incredible he can I mean he finds everything. I mean, I've lost, lost so much stuff for my kids and he comes through all the time. Now yeah, don't treat St. Joseph as a good luck charm, but if you do it diligently, man, he'll come through. He's, He's a man. very good real estate agent and he works. <laughs> but also
1: too. Does he but remember three, does he take 3% too? Uh, you've got to dig the statue back up and yes, honor it. And a uh, lot of people because uh, I say, oh, sure. well, where's the statue? oh, I forgot where I put it and I forgot to dig it up. I'm like, mm-hmm. Well, see, so I keep it and it goes him. into
2: my next listing. <laughs> oh, I you, 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 were, you, okay. I well, do, there I, you I keep
1: you. <laughs> Is he the best real estate assistant you've ever had? Um,
2: Yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it works. Um, but I'm careful or? to, I'm sorry? Does he do do paperwork? Paper? I wish, mm-hmm. I wish. I am careful when it's a client who may not have that. I don't want to go th- you know, digging things into the ground without them knowing, but.
0: Uh. <laughs> All right. Next on our list of things Catholics need to stop doing, I will admit I fall into this working on Sunday. Um, this one's hard, Father House, because so many so many things come up throughout the week of, of mowing. You know, you didn't get around to mowing the lawn because obviously your work week was busy Saturday. Maybe your kids were going crazy. You, you didn't get to go around to the grocery store. Um, where Where is that line? Because... I'll, I'll, I'll flat out admit there are I, there are times where I treat Sundays. I go to mass, but in the end, the rest of my day looks awful lot like a Saturday. It's and a catch and day. I know it should
1: no. Well, that's just going back to the whole story of creation, the importance of work, the importance of labor, but the importance of rest. That once God had created the work of creation, He rested. He stopped, and so we follow that as a divine example because the idea is in keeping Sunday holy. We avoid, we'd say, menial labor. So the idea is to f- see that leisure is good and holy, just as work is good and holy. And so taking that time, number one, to honor the Lord, and in honoring the, honoring the day we honor the Lord by following that example. So because we have to stop. We have to be refreshed. We have to allow the Lord to be a part of that refreshment. And so that's the whole idea of honoring the Sabbath day is to praise him, to give him glory, to, to seek the, the assistance from him that we need, but then to, to take that rest, because we need rest as well.
2: But, so, I guess to me, it's like you have to define work a little bit. I feel like, so I, I just bought a house, and it's like I'm having, I have all these projects, and I'm loving it, and like Sunday, I was... Um, pulling weeds in the garden, and I'm like, I was finding such joy. And I was like, I felt like it was a great way to honor Sunday, to, like, make something beautiful again, to, you know, care for God's creation. Um,
1: And I would honor, that's that's a proper distinction. I mean, if I go out to pull weeds, I'm going to be, my eyes are watering, and I'm going to be wheezing, and it's going to be miserable. So that is not a Sunday activity for me. But for the person who truly, you know, by going out and doing that, if that helps them to commune with the Lord and they find pleasure, they find that, that actually is rejuvenating, I would argue that that's not a, that's not a bad thing in of itself. That's not a menial task for somebody. It's a life-giving uh, reality. It's almost like a hobby or something like that. So, Fine distinction to make there. All right, uh, we got two more on our
0: list. Next up, this one, Father House, you've brought this up, I know, in a previous podcast that, frankly, I don't think hardly anyone knows. I didn't know it until you said it. Friday, you shouldn't eat meat unless you do an act of penance. And we're not talking Lent here. We're talking the
1: whole year. So as we know, it used to be up until about 50, 60 years ago that every Catholic was bound to abstain from meat on Fridays. That hasn't changed. That has not changed. People think it has. It hasn't. What was allowed, and I can't give you the exact date. I think it was actually even before Vatican II, I believe. What happened was that there was an allowance for a substitution. So the whole point the not eating meat is an act of penance. So what's allowed is that you can substitute that act with another act of penance, whatever that might be. But on Friday, there must be an act of penance. So... Do you have to actually think that out? So it's like, okay, I want to
0: have a sausage pizza today. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually do X versus maybe you just subconsciously or maybe you're hopefully you're always a good person and you're always doing acts penance on a Friday. And because you're always doing acts penance on a Friday, you know, you can eat meat on a Friday.
1: That's supposed, but, but Friday is meant to be a penitential day because that's the day our Lord died on. So there should be a focus on that. So there kind of should be a discipline. So like, for some people, they pray Stations of the Cross on Friday. It's a special devotion they pray. Or they may meditate on the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary or things like that. That is considered a penitential act. Okay? But it, I would argue that there must be a deliberate focus on our Lord's own suffering and passion. That's what motivates the penitential act.
0: So, don't get a sausage for each or just get a cheese
1: pizza. <laughs> well, for many Catholics, they have, they have kept the Friday fast from meat in their spirituality. Yeah, so. And actually, in England and Wales, the bishops there, about five years ago, they took those countries back. They, uh, yeah, they pulled that uh, dispensation, that permission. So now Catholics in England and Wales. The option's not there. It's Meatless Fridays. Interesting all wow. through the year.
0: All right, our last on our list of th- things Catholics need to stop doing: not getting involved at your parish or school. What is that statistic? Is it like like twenty percent of uh, the people who volunteer do like ninety percent of the work? And I'm sure it's that way at parishes too. I know you worked in the nonprofit business and you were heavily. Relying on volunteers, I have that right. roughly correct.
2: Right, it's it. I mean, I think so. It's like I think, I think it's a 20-80 rule. But that's with a lot of things. 20% do 80% of the work something like that.
0: So at the parish, you haven't been to a lot of parishes, Father House. Um, the frustration you have, because you, you know, you always, you see potential, you see endless potential. But after a while, I mean, is it just be, becomes a drag because it's always the same people who are who are coming to the plate to, to do things. But we have to remember that God calls us in time, talent, and treasure. And if you're not giving treasure-wise, which is fine, that's where you can utilize your time and your talent to help your parish or school. Well, and
1: the idea is be giving in all of that. But, you know, this notion that, it's, you know, coming to Mass on Sunday isn't just, you know, we're, we're punching the, the card there and, and doing what we have to do. It's about inviting people, challenging people to active discipleship. Coming and sitting in the pew and giving your hour, many would argue that's a passive discipleship. So it's about inviting people to an active discipleship to, to, to play some part, some role, whatever it may be. And one of the precepts of the church is about getting involved in, I mean, number one, supporting the church, financially but also being involved in the church's missionary effort being a part of that evangelical effort and that can be with par- activities that take place within the parish activities that go beyond the parish but finding some way to be involved in the building up of the body of christ
0: very good thoughts all right well this has been dive deep if you would like more podcasts head on over to dow.org slash podcast and if you're like me i hope i can stop doing some of these things on this list <laughs> we'll see you next time